three, four. The common counterpart. Welcome, 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 welcome back to the common counterpart. I am your host, Mark. And I'm Josh. Josh. Back again. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. On the heels of our Willy Wonka chocolate mystery. Absolutely. Almost uh, ahead of the curve, if you will. Yeah. Um, and we will get to that in a second. Some great updates coming from um, what we discussed last week, which is one of the best things about what we get to talk about is their current events right. that are not current events like flash in the pan. This happened. It's not going to happen again. Like ongoing situations, which I feel like are, are more interesting for people because not only now are you more informed, mm -hmm. but you're interested and right. you're engaged in the news and engaged mm -hmm. in what's going on. And I think that that is um, unique versus, you know, a political event or, mm -hmm. Um, a military exercise or something like that. So these are the more like not the unsung heroes problems of the world. Yeah, and you know what I what I enjoy about what both you and I teach and kind of what you and I are both interested in is when you start talking about something like chocolate or uh, uh, you know have and have nots or play, you know geography or whatever, people don't already have a a, a partisan right wrong left right opinion about something like chocolate or you know breeding you know we're breeding bananas to go extinct or something like that and then you start having a conversation and they realize that all of these little choices that have been made by other people have led them to this this discovery and that's that's what i like the, the serendipity of it yeah and and you're right it's it's not partisan mm -hmm. and um they don't really know what to think mm -hmm. I, I had a couple people kind of reach out to me sort of joking saying thanks for ruining one of my favorite foods. Yeah. Right. Because you, you really, and the, but now it's like, what do you do with it? Mm -hmm. So, um, last weekend was Valentine's day, mm -hmm. right? Which I, I guess I kind of knew that we were doing chocolate before Valentine's day, oh, but well, I did. Yeah. It, it worked. It just sort of worked out that way. Um, I came home and my wife had bought me a bag <laughs> of dove chocolate, which is good chocolate, which is delicious chocolate made from the hands of slaves. Um, right. and sh that was her sort of trolling our latest episode, which I thought was great. Oh, did she do that as a, as a, yeah, as a she, jab? Yeah, she sort of knew that it was going to be on chocolate. Um, so, so when your wife does, is there an evil grin? No, it's sort of subtle. Okay. Um, I know that she knows that I know. Oh, I now, love it. Now, did I eat it? Uh, yeah, I, think I did. did. Yeah. <laughs> right? How do you not? Mm -hmm. Um, and then it was, it was funny my, they were li listening to the episode and my daughter who's eight got in the car and she goes, "Ugh, <laughs> a podcast. She goes, mom, no one cares how chocolate is made. <laughs> it was just so great. And such like a representation of, of really how most people feel, mm -hmm. I think. But I, I can only imagine what her face actually looked like because when I've tried to talk to you about something important, you will give me a similar look. like If uh, I'm not feeling it. Yeah. Yeah, uh, if it's not in my wheelhouse. Yeah. And, and for a child, yeah, I decided not to go into the conversation yeah. with my child about child, uh, you know, child labor and chocolate. I'm going to yeah. let her enjoy it for a couple more years. Yeah. Well, I mean, and then you could let her know that she's fortunate. Correct. That she does not have to uh, worry about being. <laughs> Absolutely. 
So she's lucky. Yeah. She should thank me. She's a have. Uh, yeah, she is definitely a have. And speaking of those um, child laborers in the Ivory Coast, um, one of the stories that just came out this week um, is an update on really on that situation and um, litigation mm-hmm. that, that is now taking place. I sent you the article. What did you think? I, I loved it um, in, in the sense that for you and I having that conversation last week, it was so pertinent. It's an absolutely terrible real-life story, uh, right? You're, these now adults have now claimed that both uh, chocolate, that Nestle, and who was the other one? Hershey? So we have, Hers- we have Hershey, we have Mars, and we have Nestle. Nestle. And the other ones are uh, Cargill, Olam, which are, are I'm assuming, foreign, uh-huh. more foreign-based companies. But when you talk about Nestle, Mars, and Hershey, mm-hmm. that's everyone. Yeah. And you might think, well, wait, they didn't mention Dove. Oh, no, Dove's owned by Mars. Right. So er- everything is falling under the big three umbrella here. And I, and I think that might be American chocolate primarily because I, I believe that there are even larger chocolate companies outside of America. Especially in Europe. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was, Yeah, there's a couple of big players, and I can't remember their names. But anyway, we have eight children, former children, who are now filing lawsuit Um you know, based on the idea, these are all, they were at one point, obviously, kids. And going along with our story last week, they follow that pattern. Mm-hmm. They were brought over from a different country. Right. Smuggled. They were smuggled from Mali, right? And they are seeking damages for this slavery that they didn't know they were signing up for. They were right. promised wages. Mm-hmm. Those wages were never delivered. And... You know, fast forward to now, and they feel like they are due. And they are. And they absolutely are. But right. if, if you do this, mm-hmm. what are you opening the doors to? Well, you know, you and I were talking earlier about just supply chain. And, you know, if, if we want to know where something comes from, we can track it down, I guess. Um, you know, a lot of folks, they want to know that something's, you know, made in America. They want to know that the factory was in, you know, Wisconsin or, or wherever it was at. But here, I, I think they they keep they the, the shadow people, but the industry keeps the supply chain hidden and mysterious. And yet, again, chocolate, which is this really weird looking plant that makes a really weird looking pod, you've got people picking it for pennies. You know, I don't I don't, I don't even know what the currency is in, in in the Ivory Coast, and yet it's the most luxurious food that you can eat. Um, unnecessary food. Completely unnecessary. Which I think makes it worse. Right? You talk about haves and have-nots. Mm-hmm. It's, I, I, I do think it's one thing if, if it is a necessity. And, and you know, you could kind of get behind the idea like, listen, we need this to survive. Mm-hmm. But look at all of those. Right. Go to diamonds. Again. Right. Same, Africa's huge for, right, for diamonds. Right. Same idea. Go to the plantations that exist in, you know, Latin America, we talk about coffee. We mm-hmm. Some people would argue you have to have coffee, but, you know, you talk about bananas. You talk about all these other th- uh, sugar. You talk mm-hmm. about all these things that are not necessary, yet this is where the supply chain's breaking down. Mm-hmm. And it's known, right? One of the things they cited in the article was, and I think I mentioned it last episode, that there was a, um, a huge agreement that was signed in 2001. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called the Harkin-Engel Protocol. And the idea was that by 2005... There was going to be no more child labor in, in chocolate. 
they were going to work together to get it fixed, mm-hmm. right? So that's 2001. Like, right. we're not talking 1958 where mm-hmm. we don't have the technology, where we can't, how could we ever know? You know, mm-hmm. it's sort of a shade my eyes. I don't really see what's happening. This was in the 2000s. They couldn't get it. Mm-hmm. And so what do we do? We move the goalpost. Mm-hmm. And we say, well, we couldn't get it by 2005, so we're actually going to claim to fix the problem by 2025 now. Got it. So 2025. Mm -hmm. Well, because this story just comes out last week in 2021, Mm -hmm. we got to give it some more time, right? We're going to give it another Mm -hmm. four more years. By 2025, we say that no child labor is going to be involved in chocolate. And you know what kills me? So you said the the, the Harkin something bill. Kathy Lee Gifford, and I, I only remember this because I, I, I saw some sort of memory of this, but uh, she was making clothes, I guess, at some point, and it was discovered that her oh, clothes yeah, were being made Oh, yeah, I remember that. Remember that? Yes. And it destroyed her. Yeah, absolutely destroyed her. Her, her career was over. Right. And um, She claimed she didn't know. Yeah. Right? right? Yeah. Same idea? Yeah. But listen, if you're getting, if you're getting you know, a 2,000% profit on something. It's oh, of course. probably because you're taking advantage of, of, of people. Right. You have not figured out the secret <laughs> that everybody else has lost out on in the world. Right. Like you're, you didn't find the secret sauce. There is a secret sauce and it's exploitation. Right. And that's, and that's what is so crazy to me is that you've got Americans saying that we're going to take child labor, child slavery out of chocolate. But how, how do American laws apply to the jungles of West Africa when they've been doing this for years? Well, I think that's the point. It's, it's, it's not so much a law as it is, you know, these, these countries get together, they posture up, and they say, listen, we're going to commit to doing X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Well, well, what are the consequences if you don't? Well, there really aren't any, right? There's no world police. Mm-hmm. You you have the UN that's kind of monitoring crimes against humanity, but where does chocolate rank on what's taking place in areas like the Middle East and Hong Kong and mm-hmm. all of these other, you know, much more attractive stories that make the news more often? Right. So we say, you know, 2025, we're going to have it solved by then. We've seen this story many times, and maybe it'll be more quiet and they'll figure out ways to keep people out, mm-hmm. it's not going to stop because it continues to work and continues to fund the industry. Well, and there you go. And I think a keyword there is fund because you really do have to follow the money. You know, um, if you can get away with it and make a profit, I think humans have demonstrated they're going to do that. Um, and you look at America, you're, you're a little bit more versed on this, but when you look at what unions did in America, right, you had, you had immigrant downtrodden people who were being taken advantage of and they could do that as long as they were kept in the shadows right and then you were able to organize information was 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 given to these people and they were able to sort of change the 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 labor laws here in america correct yeah i mean they it it came to a point where something had to be done Mm -hmm. where the supply line was getting so short and you're right as long as there's supply for Mm -hmm. exploitation it will continue Mm -hmm. right as long as there are people that are willing, as long as the birth rate stays high enough, as long as there are families that are needy enough to send their children to to fulfill yeah. these supposed promises of of money and and mm-hmm. you know help to the family, they're going to keep doing it. Mm-hmm. And you know some of these kids that they have a couple of um, kind of testimonies in this article here, and they were 
you know, applying pesticides and herbicides, no shoes, right? No mask for for years. You know, is it because uh, when when we when I got this article and I was looking at some some other things on YouTube, um, that was what I noticed is that you know the uh, the more established people in this industry, the ones that are actually in the jungle, you know, opening up the cacao pods or whatever, but they always had the the kids do the things that they didn't want to do. Always then, the child. And then once a younger kid shows up, then that's the one spraying the chemicals. And I have to imagine, if this is an industry that is exploit, exploiting child labor, I'm probably certain they're using pesticides that maybe aren't sanctioned. Of course. By, and now now think about this. You've got that, that, that non-GMO, organic-only person munching on their Valentine's Day Dove chocolate, and it's highly probable that it was sprayed with some sort of nasty pesticide that's been banned by the Geneva Convention. Yeah, and, and almost every established country, you know, exporting food. Mm-hmm. And to the knowledge of the chocolate suppliers, they don't know. They, they are receiving the product. and, the, and well, Do you think they don't know, or do you think there's just that, that plausible deniability? Well, again? I think that's part of it, too. But th- there were a couple of scenes in, in one of the... Um, the videos of footage I was watching where they asked him, hey, what are you spraying? Mm-hmm. And they said, oh, I don't know. And it was it was a Chinese pesticide, okay. literally written all in Chinese. Got and they it. say, oh, it's the blue bottle. We use the blue bottle. Okay. That does not sound promising. Nor, no. does, nor is that going to hold up in the court of law when they try and sue after they get lung mm-hmm. damage and say, oh, I don't know, the company with the blue bottle. And I, So I, th- th- there, there's no health care. There's mm-hmm. no... There, this ha- it has to be taking years off the life of these people. Yeah, and I've always been, you know, of the opinion that America's overregulated, and the idea that OSHA can step in and identify all these things that you you're not supposed to do, or you have to do, or whatever. And then you look at a place like uh, the Ivory Coast in Ghana, where the the instruction is just spray this on the tree. It's in the blue bottle. Yeah, that's the instruction. And that, when you're done, come get more. Yeah, that's your safety your safety protocol. Right. And it's, you know, that all the way to kids that have, you know, scars, machete scars, mm-hmm. you know, and, and again, like OSHA, right, you have safety and you have right. things that are put in place. And we're going to spend some time talking about that in other industries. But in the ag industry, there, there is no first aid kit. Mm-mm. There's no, you know, you're getting these scars and you can tell that some of these kids have been through it and accidents happen. You're teaching mm-hmm. an eight-year-old how to use a machete to open up a cacao pod. <laughs> like, and we don't even let our eight-year-olds use scissors no, in this country. No, we've got, is, aren't are they safety scissors? Yeah, safety scissors, yeah. right? And so you're talking about a full-on machete yeah. in the in the jungle, no shoes right. and, and, you know, short sleeves. And these are the types of things that are going to happen. They have mm-hmm. a case. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if they're going to win. But right. it's at least exposure to a problem. And, and do you say that because you don't you don't think that they will be able to make a strong enough argument, or do you think that the system is rigged to favor the haves? I think that I think that it's going to be really difficult with how that supply chain is set up. Mm-hmm. That who are you actually going to place blame on? Mm-hmm. How how are you going to pin this down? That there's. We're talking about, you know, cash-only transactions. We're talking about he said, she said. They can leave whenever they want. There is no slavery. Right. You know, this kid volunteered for this. You know, different languages, at no records, mm-hmm. right? I mean, they're they're not unintelligent, mm-hmm. right? This has been working for, for decades. Yeah. They have a system down. Mm-hmm. And I think that why does it still continue in Southeast Asia when, when we know 
we have footage. We know that sweatshops still exist. We mm -hmm. know that slavery still exists. We know that sex trafficking exists. Mm -hmm. Like, these are not rumors. No. These are confirmed things, yet nothing changes. Mm -hmm. Why would this be any different when eight former, you know, cacao workers in the Ivory Coast mm -hmm. decide to step up and try and take on, you know, these billion-dollar corporations? Right. It's unfortunate. Yeah. And, you know, one of the... But you're right, it's haves, have-nots, right? Yeah, because and, and one of the concerns I, I have when, when you think about the victims coming forward, hoping that the, the system will work on their behalf and, the, and justice will be served, and yet the entire chocolate industry uh, has a, a level of almost mafia-like component to it. So let's just, let's just for, for giggles, say Nestle and Hershey and these guys – they settle and they say, listen, this is awful and we will pay this punitive, you know, $200 million, half a billion dollars, whatever. But where does that money go? So are, are, are you telling me that the system that enslaved young boys, because that's all, I've never seen young girls involved in this, in the, in the footages that I've seen. It's mostly boys. Mostly bo boys. Yeah. But these, these people are going to have to come forward and say, no, I worked for this person, for this many years, and so that some of that money is mine. Do we really trust that those poor people are safe? Well, how do you prove that, too? Yeah. I, I did it. Okay, where's the record of it? Right. Well, well there's, there's no yeah, record. There's a record because I was, I was smuggled. And, and how much is it going to take? I was looking at, you know, some of the things that the, the plaintiffs were, were asking for or what they were saying was happened, and they were talking about getting a guarantee of $46 a month. $46 a month. That's what they were promised. And that, that was something they were willing to leave their home, go someplace else. Or their parents were willing to send them got it. for $46 a month. I'm, I'm, it's I, hard because it's, it's, it's relative yeah. a little bit, right? Like we're not talking about dollars to dollars, United States right. versus the Ivory Coast. But for $46 a month, and then this kid works for two years and gets mm -hmm. paid nothing. Mm-hmm. And they say there's no money. What is he supposed to do? Right. You can't fight back against that. Jeez. I mean, it gets violent there. Right. I mean, they have no problem. And you know what makes me sad? For $2,000, you could probably get most of those kids to settle. That's what I'm saying. Just, so, just pay them off. Right. But in doing so, one, now that it's public, you're admitting that something was mm -hmm. astray, right? Something was wrong. And so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But, you know... Last thing, just going back to how well this system is, has worked, they were talking about the long conditions, long working days, you know, no meals, and mm -hmm. keeping each other isolated. Right. It's such a systematic thing to keep people from being with others, mm -hmm. right? Strength in numbers. Right. Ideas grow in the, in the community. Mm -hmm. if, if you isolate kids, you break them. Mm-hmm. They have nobody else. They have nothing else. This job is all that they get. They, mm -hmm. they don't get to talk about what they feel. They don't get to bring up memories of old. They don't get to do their culture. They don't right. get to talk in their language. That's not something that happens randomly. Right. Right. That's why jails are set up the way they are. Yeah. No, that's orchestrated. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's how it plays out. So, yeah, I just thought it, it was, you know, awesome in the worst way possible that yeah. we had this. Um, but hopefully people who listened to the podcast last week, if they caught this article, I'm not you know, if it made, made any of the major uh, networks online or any or an article on Twitter that you're like, I kind of know about that. Yeah. That's, that, that's kind of awesome. And it really kind of leads us into transitioning what we wanted to talk about next. Right. Same idea, 
just right? agriculture. But switching to ag. Yeah. And, and, and this is, I think, where an area where you have a, a, a large expertise in understanding the actual science behind how people can can rise or fall based on where they are, right? It's it's yeah. the you get what you get and don't throw a fit, mm-hmm. but some people's fits are probably more worthy than others. Well, and, you know, uh, we're so lucky here, right? We, we just assume you got dirt, you got some seeds, you put some water on it, and you're going to be just fine. And yet when you look at different parts of the world, sometimes the soil is not the right soil. Sometimes the food that you can grow just isn't all that tasty, or it's so time intensive. I, I think of uh, Native Americans and how they would uh, uh, make some sort of paste out of acorns. That was not an easy thing. That was time intensive, uh, where you know we think that if you're living on the land, you can just go out and grab some apples off the tree, and, and there's your nutrition for the next four or five hours. Yeah. I mean, uh, is it literally, is the juice worth the squeeze? It, right. <laughs> is the acorn worth the pounding? And I would have to, I would have to say... For me, no. I think that I did that. You did in not. like third grade. Oh. Sh- shout out to Bakersfield. We, I think they took us to this place called Pioneer Village, okay. where they recreated. I'm sure there was some cultural appropriation going on at some point, <laughs> uh, but we. I think we got to grind our own acorns in the okay. the mortal and and pestle. Uh, mortar. Mortar. What did Mor- I say? Mortal. You said mortal. Yeah. <laughs> mortar and, and and pestle, something yeah. like that. Yeah, that's exactly. Uh, and right. I think that we did it, and it was gross. Yeah. And I'm yeah. out. Yeah, you know, I'm pretty sure there's something toxic in in raw acorns. You have to. I think that answers the question. A lot of things about me. Yeah, I, yeah. You have to. You have to like leach out some some yucky thing. Um, but you know, that's the other thing about uh, Africa that has as as I've done some 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 studying. Um, up, I, I read a book and it it really opened my eyes. But it it is a relatively older book. I think it was written or published in 2008. Well, that's not ag old. No, in, in a sense, right? There's there's this idea that oh, anything that's like ten years old, like it's so outdated, and, and mm-hmm. nothing's the same. Well, relative to the age of the earth, right? In the in the ground, mm-hmm. it's pretty new. But I think when it comes to policy, so the the idea that in maybe as far back as 2010, uh, this book was talking about how uh, when it comes to these non governmental organizations, NGOs, they were more than willing to give genetically modified medicines, but they weren't willing to equip uh, the African continent with genetically modified food. And so these folks, you know, here in America, we've got crops that we can make a little bit more resistant to drought. Uh, We can make resistant to certain insects or fungus or, or, or bacteria, and it makes a more productive crop. I mean, we bulletproofed our stuff. We have. That's a great way of looking right? at it. I mean, we've, we have said, nature, do your worst, mm-hmm. because we have figured everything out. And I can't think of a continent more ravaged by nature. I mean, when you consider that almost a third of it is a desert. Um, so the land that you are able to farm in a place like Africa, it's valuable. And you want, again, juice worth the squeeze. You want to squeeze out every bit of food, calorie, and then hopefully some surplus so that you can sell your crops. Yeah. So for those that are not super familiar with Africa, I mean, lay out what they kind of have, right? And now in in terms of what what I talk about, there's sort of two parts of Africa. Mm -hmm. There's Northern Africa, and then there's Sub-Saharan Africa. 
Right. And, and, and that is in the most elementary sense, the way that we break it up. And the reason why we break it up that way is the people of Northern Africa are nothing like the people of Sub-Saharan Africa. I mean, they're almost two different worlds. Which, 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 are, which we're talking about Morocco, Algeria, Libya, Egypt. Right. Um, they, they more closely align with the Middle East. Right. Culturally, mm-hmm. economically, it, right? You can kind mm-hmm. of follow the pattern of migration of people that have kind of come through that way. Well, and, and, it, and that has a lot to do with the, almost the, uh, the, the environment, the, the, the geography. I mean, that's a very Mediterranean area. Yeah, it falls in the tropic zones, yes. right? So for those of you that are, don't love maps like we do, uh, <laughs> talking about the equator, right? Tropic of Cancer, Tropic of Capricorn. Things that lie in between there typically have very similar climate zones mm-hmm. for the most part. Right. Um, once you get outside of that, which when we talk about Africa is the Sahara Desert, huge, right? so much bigger than people understand. Mm-hmm. I think people get like the Aladdin kind of feel to it. Right. Like there's a couple hills. Well, in, in, you know, if you've ever been to uh, Pismo or Oceano. Yeah, you see the dunes that yeah, are right there. Like, oh, cute. Yeah, Sand not, dunes. Not like that. Right. Uh, but then underneath that, you have sub-Saharan Africa. Mm-hmm. What are you getting in sub-Saharan Africa? Because I think that's where we're focused, right? We're talking about ag intense, intensive agriculture. Mm-hmm. Sub-Saharan Africa is very different than yeah. Northern Africa. So well, what do they have there? So when you get below, so when you get below Sahara, there's this sub desert called the Sahal. Um, and then it, it, it transitions into the grassland. And that's the savanna. A, a lot of people... This is our Lion King moment. Yes. Do you want me to... No, we don't understand. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll do it. No, I, I don't mind. No, no, I think they can. Um, but then th- there you have the savanna. And then the savanna... Uh, and that's the funny thing about, about Africa, similar to S- South America, is that the, the continent is longer north and south than it is east to west. Which is not something that we're used to Right. In the United States. When, when I say I'm going cross-country, mm-hmm. I'm going east to west. And you're going to stay in the same sort of biome. You're going to stay in the same weather pattern. That latitude line's not going to change, unless exactly. I have to, because mm-hmm. then it's it's farther. Right. Right? So going east to west to us makes sense. It, it, we don't often go north to south. Right. And, you know, for those that are local, northern California is nothing like right. San Diego. And now we're we, talking in the same state. And we are... Again, in, in California, we are fortunate. You can go north to south, and uh, your your life is not in danger because the weather changed so drastically. No, but you're changing clothes. You do. <laughs> hopefully, you <laughs> your, are. Your right? mornings do not look the same exactly. in San Diego as they do up north. Right. Right. But, different rain, different sort of climates. But something a little bit more similar would be, uh, you know, start in in Fresno and go to, you know, Mexico City. Now you're going to seriously move through different climate zones. And that's the one thing about Africa that seems seems to keep it kind of segmented is that folks don't like crossing climate zones. I think that's a comfort thing or an unknown, or do you think it really is the idea that, like, I don't know if we're going to make it because I don't know what to expect? Possibly. I mean, I got to think to myself, if I'm walking through my, my savanna and I see further north is nothing but yellow sand, I'm not sure I'm going any further. And... You know, uh, uh, I can go east to west, uh, but those were have have been uh, 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 set apart by uh, by colonial boundaries. Yeah, but, so we have boundaries. Mm-hmm. We, we we have a savanna, which mm-hmm. then leads into forests. Good land, bad but, land. You know, I wish I, I wish I had done a little bit digging around with that. I know that it goes from grassland to to forest, 
and you've got more mountains. Uh, Which isn't what you think. No, no, you don't. I mean, there are ski resorts in Africa. Yeah, Africa is um, very misunderstood, mm-hmm. and I think it's the media's fault. Um, what you see is not what you get, mm-hmm. and and very similar to a lot of countries. I I can paint a picture of of greatness or mm-hmm. of just poverty in every country, right? United States included. Mm-hmm. Africa has so few eyes on it, and and I don't want to say they've done a bad job at marketing because I don't feel like it's that's really a thing, but it, it kind of is. Africa marketing itself? Yeah. Yeah. In, in, in a way to attract tourists. But it's not a unified continent. And so you look at, at a place like America now where we're the United States of America, and there's this idea of we've got something in common. We've got some infrastructure. We've got government. But when you look at, at, at Africa, I mean, this is a continent that has been scarred by war, conquest, drought, colonization, uh, corruption. And now they and they have to fight, you know, you know, uh, kind of getting a bad, bad set of cards. Right. But and at the same time, trying to stay alive. Mm-hmm. So trying to farm. Right. You know, and and going against the weather and, and things, droughts, obviously mm-hmm. in some areas and flooding in the other. I think we oftentimes right. think that Africa is a desert and there's no yeah. water. There is a lot of water. Yeah. In fact, uh, in, in kind of preparing for this, I was doing a little bit of research and a couple different websites said the same thing, that they only use 4% of their fresh water. That's insane. So now I'm wondering, so I look at, I look at America, and we've got the LA Aqueduct, right? And we're pulling money or pulling water from Owens Valley. And that's a, that's a, that's, that's a technological feat. It's a lifeline. Right. Because um, LA shouldn't be any bigger than half a million people. And it wouldn't be without that. Without that water. And so there's water. I mean... Sometimes we forget that the Nile does flow north into Egypt. Right. And so that water, um, you know, there's other, and there's freshwater lakes uh, as well. And so getting water to the people, uh, I think, is one one component. Um, the other is just, I, I, I think I agree with what you're saying, that the the world doesn't really pay close attention Uh to what to what's going on in Africa? Every now and again, we we feel bad and we we oh gosh, what was uh, uh, we are we are the world, right? I think I think America Live loves Aid. Live Aid. Aid. There you yeah. go. I think America and the world loves helping Africa, but it goes back to that: give them a fish, you feed them for a day, teach teach them to fish. And I think Africa has the resources, and maybe sometimes these NGOs are doing more harm than good. Well, looking across the the continent, that there aren't two problems that are the same. Mm-hmm. Countries are very much dealing with their own issues, like mm-hmm. you said, right? Not United States. Mm-hmm. There is no, there is no. I want to be careful the way I say this. That the idea of Angola pride mm-hmm. isn't really there. the The idea that people are, you know, I'm willing to go all in for Cameroon. Mm-hmm. Maybe as you rally around like your soccer team, I was going to ask in the in the World Cup because that kind of brings people together. But these people are much more tied locally. Mm. You know the the idea that people that are in Europe aren't like saying, "Yeah, fly that European flag. We're European." Right. That that doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. You're, I'm French. Right. Fl- I'm, I'm I'm French. Right. Because that's a it's, 
Yeah, you're right. I mean, right. we're there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It, it, it's it's one of the very, very big differences between the idea of the United States and a lot of these other countries. Mm-hmm. You know, we're American, yeah. and, and that reigns supreme, but we're also from California. But I don't fly the California flag. No, you yeah. fly the American flag. Right. And people saw, I mean, there is stark differences between like, you know, you don't want to say you're from Nebraska. No offense to Nebraskans versus California. We do have a large audience in Nebraska. (laughs) We might after this ag unit. Uh, But it's very different in these other places. And so the willingness to help, but you're right, that that north to south, east to west ability to to transport, to move just isn't Mm -hmm. there. The infrastructure isn't there. So when we talk about farming at this level, we're talking about subsistence farming, right? Mm -hmm. Which the way that I always try and define this in the most simple way possible, I'm sure there's a way better definition, is... Try and grow enough food so that you and your family don't die. Yes. And, and, and that's it. That's your whole job. Mm-hmm. From the moment you wake up till the moment you go to bed, it's the only worry that you have. Mm-hmm. Well, it's your biggest worry. Growing enough food for my family. I'm not thinking about profit margins. I'm not thinking about anything else. I'm not thinking about how much money I'm going to make. I'm, I'm thinking about do I have enough food to right. survive for myself? I would love more. Mm-hmm. I'd love to sell for more, but I have to take care of this nuclear unit that's my family and one of the the things that's really kind of heartbreaking about that idea is you need more hands to grow more food but with more hands come more mouths right it's a catch-22 and so you you don't want no kids right because now you have no workers and then when you do have kids uh you know it's been more beneficial to have boys who are able to go out and, and and farm with dad or hunt with dad or whatever's going on um and so it really is a catch-22. Now, this is a part of the world that is finally catching up with healthcare, birth control, um, those sorts of things. So although the population is still growing, the growth rate is actually slowing down a little bit. And we're starting to see some of those subsistent farmers, they're no longer as subsistent as they used to be um, because they, they don't have as many, they're not having as many kids, and, but they're actually getting... Uh, a, a little bit better uh, uh, yield, I guess, on the on on their crop. Well, and also the kids are surviving. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the really sad ideas is that in in sub-Saharan Africa, you need to have five kids to have three adults. That, that, that just kills me. It's terrible, right? But it's it's how you it's how they would have to think about it. I mean, that mm-hmm. those are conscious thoughts that they are right. having. If if I know that everybody on my block has lost at least one of their three kids, mm-hmm. I have to build that in. Mm-hmm. And you know, you're you're right with the innovations in healthcare. They're not worrying about you know these kids not making it to adulthood. Mm-hmm. So we don't have to have as many kids. Right. Which is awesome, right? Mm-hmm. Less strain on the on on the mother, less strain on the family. We're talking about making sure that we can house these kids. So mm-hmm. again, the exact same way we talk about more mouths to feed, it's out. It's also more clothes. Mm-hmm. It's it's more bedrooms. Right. It's trying to figure out what people are going to do. So you have to find that sweet spot mm-hmm. of of I have enough kids to work. They know what they're doing. The sad reality for a lot of them is by the age of eight, mm-hmm. there there is no economic goals right. there's no i want to grow up to be an astronaut no and it's sad i i've i've read stories of, of kids that at a very young age already know that they're going to be farmers right you know they're asked what do you want to do when you grow up and he goes well i'm going to be a farmer no 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 no. what do you want to do mm-hmm. well it doesn't matter i'm going to be a farmer right. like it, it just continues in the cycle and the cycle which again is going to stunt development in other areas of the country because that kid may be a genius. Yeah. 
and he's never going to get to apply himself in that way because he's farming. And you know what? What is when you when you can look at subsistent farming because we did the same thing here in America. Yeah, everyone's uh, done it. And so uh, you look at technology as simple as artificial fertilizer, uh, uh, irrigation. Uh, you look at um, uh, different tools, simple mechanization, not even yeah. combustion engine. No, just a plow. Right. Uh, being pulled behind a, a, a an animal, a, an animal, having an animal to right. be able to pull a plow behind, all of those things are not free. Right, you're not out grabbing an ox Mm-mm. and wrestling it down to the ground. You know, it's funny you would say that because I actually have a friend of mine who's who comes from a, a long line of missionaries, and not only do they go and, and proselytize their faith, but they they ask people, hey, instead of giving us money to build a church, would you give us money to buy a cow? And they actually buy animals, and they buy seed, and they teach these folks. Okay, for this is how you ought to do this, and then then they just let them become self sustainable. And so I love that idea. Like we're gonna, you live in a grassland. Grasslands aren't gonna be good for growing crops. So we're gonna help you raise chickens and goats and cows, and then you can make a a meat market, if you will, uh, out of out of those animals. Well, and that's ultimately what they're trying to get to. I mean, reading about a couple of these, you know, small advances that are taking place in sub-Saharan Africa, I mean, they're they're quoted as saying, like, I can now afford to eat meat twice a month. Right. Like, that's, 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 a, that's a goal, mm-hmm. you know? And then you fast forward and you think about where we are now. You look at the standard American diet and what people are doing. It's, what are we going to add to our meat today? Right. <laughs> right. It's I have my protein source, but then I'm also going to have to add some type of vegetable here mm-hmm. and then usually some type of starch. Like and then you, you just go through it. But no one's ever saying like, man, is 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 today the day we get to eat meat Right. for most of us. Right. right. I mean, obviously, poverty does still exist. But these changes are going to allow, hopefully, Africans, again, to move out of subsistence to where mm-hmm. it's subsistence plus some. Right. And you're not going to turn into it an overnight you know, millionaire, but can I get a little bit more? Right. Can I buy a little bit more land? And we talk about what they're farming, you know, what are they supposed to do with that crop? Well, so here's something that, so even some of my misconceptions have been sort of blown out of the water. Uh, Africa still exports like 30 or 40% of their food. Exports. So they're, they're, they, they're, there are parts of Africa and a lot of it, there is a lot of it happening, again, sub-Sahara. Mm-hmm. There's, there's nothing going on in the Sahara. No. Um, but uh, they even do export some of it. Um, but why would you export it? Uh, well. When people are starving. I think it's because it's more of a market issue, di- distribution, where you could keep it in-house, but it's going to have to go too far across the continent. Or not able to, I guess. Yeah. I mean, if you don't have the infrastructure to move it, the trucks to move it, the trains to move it, the tracks mm-hmm. for the, the trains, the well, freeways for the trucks, but you do have a port, mm-hmm. well, I'd rather sell it to somebody else. Right. I mean, like I said, there is not a huge piece of like African pride. Right. I'm not thinking I need to help my, my fellow brethren two countries up. Right. The same way that when we make something, we're not thinking like, hey, man... Idaho's on the struggle. We yeah. should help them out. It's like, no, again, haves and have nots. Mm-hmm. I got to get mine. Yeah. And y'all figure yourself out. Yeah. You know, that, that kind of leads us to this, this you know, full circle going back to these, these kids who are now being helped in a class action lawsuit, right? Where 
Now they're able to say, hey, I was taken advantage of, and I just want the world to know it so that something can be done about it. Yeah, and I think that you know next week we're going to continue this idea of, of agriculture and, and, and what it really looks like. I, I think it's, mm-hmm. it's partly our responsibility if we know mm-hmm. we need to get rid of as many misconceptions as possible, right? The, mm-hmm. truth, the truth is the truth. Yeah. And knowing the, the true reality of what's happening, if no one's going to talk about it, then nothing's ever going to change. Right. So next week we'll do that. Yeah. Uh, before we finish today, let's hit up some words of wisdom. Josh, what do we got? Yeah. So if you are silent about your pain... They'll kill you and say you enjoyed it. Zora Neale Hurtson. That's, that, that's heavy. Yeah, like emo heavy. Very, very <laughs> heavy. But it, it, there are people who can speak and choose not to. Then there are some people who can't speak. And A lot so, of people. And so we just assume it's not that bad. Right. And, but I mean, you, you could apply this, you know, any, think of any disaster, mm-hmm. you know, any crime against humanity. If you don't speak up, they'll say that they did nothing wrong, mm-hmm. right? And look what we have here. Mm-hmm. And now we've got young kids who are now young adults who are able to speak up. And y- you at least know that we've got, to, we've got to fight on our hands now. We've got people coming beside, beside them saying, we're here to help, and they're silent no more. And you have to feel like if you've been through it, you know the other side. Mm-hmm. You know how how much it probably haunts your dreams. You have to do everything you can. Right. And, and maybe you can't stop it. And maybe it's just too big of a fight. Mm-hmm. But at least let people know the fight exists. Somebody out there is big enough. Right. Whether they do or not is up to them, but that's not your choice. Right. It's, it's, a, it's about exposing the truth of what this world is ha- having right. and trying to find ways to be, you know, more caring, mm-hmm. more productive, solving a lot of these issues that have been going on for decades. I mean, we, I, I didn't know about this, No, you know, five, five years ago or so. It, it, so many people don't. Yeah. And it's not to make you feel bad or to make you not eat chocolate ever again right. or to, you know, stand on the corner with a sign. But maybe if we did, something mm-hmm. would happen. I don't know. Well, and it's just, it's nice knowing that, uh, uh, for our listeners out there, we get to do some research, have a good conversation about things that are going on in the world, things that we wouldn't normally talk about. And then with that information, you get to do something. You're, you're no longer on the sideline. Yeah. And that I think is all we can do, right. right? That's our job. So join us next week as we continue on this journey through Africa, haves and have nots. We're touching on ag uh, and a little bit more. Josh, Have a good week. You too, man. Good seeing you. This is The Common Counterpart. We are out.